Get your pen and paper ready. It's time for another edition of The The Flex. The absolute best fantasy football podcast in existence. I'll say this, not to say that I disagree, but... I disagree. Oh my God. Presented by Broadway Sports. All right. Flexers ready? Welcome into the Flex, the most accurate fantasy show with two dudes who have seen No Time to Die and one who still doesn't understand the movie Tenet. My name is Zach Lyons, and you can follow me on Twitter at FWordsPod. I am joined, as sometimes always, by the author of Terrible Twitter Takes, Robert Greenlaw. Follow him on Twitter at Rob on Broadway. And of course, we are both joined by smog covered Justin Graver. Follow him on Twitter at Titans Film Room. We are all brought to you by the world's only website with the URL broadwaysportsmedia.com go subscribe because we have something major dropping soon is going to be the first of its kind in the Nashville sports market coming soon this month later this month guys we got a lot to get to today we're going to have a jam-packed show for everybody but first everybody needs to get in and put in your fantasy questions for your sysdark questions we try to get to as many as possible at the end of the show Sometimes there's just a lot. We don't get to them all, but we will try to get them to get to them all before we run out of time. Our basically what we're going to be focusing on our theme today are two big topics and then running backs, wide receivers and how you should work the trade market for all these. And then these three, we're going to give you three players, one player each of the guys that we feel we should be all in on you need to go all in on these guys try to get them with whatever you can with if you are in a position to do that without sacrificing everything about your roster so we're going to be talking about Mahomes and Herbert and those offenses seeing some couple of down weeks we're going to talk about Derrick Henry how do you handle that in a keeper league you've heard the news you know where it stands, but how do you handle him knowing that he's probably not going to be here for at any significant point for the rest of the fantasy football season? And so what should you do in a keeper league? Should you trade him away? Should you trade for him? What should you do? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about running backs to trade for, wide receivers to trade away, and wide receivers to trade for going to be a totally different show every week we're coming up with different topics keep you entertained make sure to go to youtube make sure to go to facebook because twitter sucks they do not want you to interact with content creators they're communist bastards i don't know what is going on in twitter it's really easy it's just a couple of things of code and they refuse to do it so please go to youtube go to facebook throw in your questions boys you got him. Start off with you, Greenlaw. You have a murderous penguin. Just every week, you are closer and closer to death, creeping behind you. What is your level of comfort right now? I mean, it's really no different than just living life. We all are inching closer and closer to death every single day. So this penguin might as well just be a metaphor, you know. I like it, Graver. How, how is how are things out in California? Things are great, you know. <laughs> Weather is very foggy. It's not smoggy, but it is foggy. The smog is ever present, but it's particularly. Would you ever know gray. the difference? No. <laughs> Did everyone like survive it. Halloween and the you know the poison that Stan Kroenke was emitting from the stadium? We did survive Halloween. I actually went to a Halloween party where a jacket caught on fire, and it was crazy. But uh, everything was fine, and it was fun, and everyone survived. So yeah, we're good. And. You were your uh, door was haunted. My door, I uh, was carrying a glass door. It exploded in my hands. I got a nice cut here and a few cuts. Can't even see him. Can't even see him. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Don't even know if that really ex- happened. I, I think you're full of crap. Nope, so, it was uh, Deacon scary. is our first question of the day. Just want to remind you, Deacon, we'll get to all of your questions at the end of the episode, unless it comes up in our uh, conversation. So, stay tuned. Make sure that you stay tuned for that. Guys, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, having some rough weeks, you know, these last few weeks. I know that we talked about patience with Patrick Mahomes specifically last week. But again, this week we're talking about one touchdown, one interception. 
And on top of that, he doesn't, it's like almost he refuses to play within structure because there are a lot of times that Patrick Mahomes leaving the pocket when he does not absolutely does not have to. And then on the other side, you have Justin Herbert who's going through a little bit of, I guess you could call it a sophomore slump smack dab in the middle of your fantasy football season is the last, you know, set of time that you want that to happen what are your guys' feelings on this? I mean, they both relatively have the same kind of easy schedule down the path, but is is this cause of concern? Greenlaw, what's your level of concern with both these quarterbacks? I think my concern a little bit is more with Herbert than Mahomes. Mahomes they're both top five in attempts still. They're both, you know, they're both going to air it out quite a bit. They both have great schedules. Herbert has actually the primo playoff schedule he's got kc houston and denver in the playoffs i mean that's about as good as you can get i think though long term or for the whole season i think i'd want mahomes they're still passing it a ton he had 48 attempts on monday night uh i mean that's where the offense is going to go go through i think eventually they will figure out that they need to give him more intermediate and check down stuff it's not that it's sometimes he's missing that, but sometimes it's just not there because the play doesn't give him that they're giving him only deep completions to go to. And so he's having to go out of structure because there's nothing available in the intermediate. So I think, I think that's a big issue with Mahomes. Herbert, the offense is built to be short. This was, this was the Drew Brees offense that they're now giving to Herbert. Everything is short intermediate his average depth of target is less than like Mac Jones and Mac Jones was getting crushed earlier this year for his average depth of target, but his uh, Herbert's is below eight. Um, So I, I think with Mahomes, you're going to have a little bit more, uh, you're going to have the variance, but you're also going to have the more attempts and he's going to be throwing the ball deeper, some more explosive. So I think I would lean Mahomes. I think these are both still quarterback ones the rest of the year. Are you more concerned with Graver with Mahomes or Justin Herbert when you look at what's happened so far this season and what's ahead on the schedule? I am more concerned with Herbert overall, but something very concerning about Mahomes is that it doesn't seem like the Chiefs are on the verge of figuring it out and putting it together. It actually seems like they are going the wrong direction and getting worse every week on offense, except for when they played Washington. Like that was their only good week of offense and Mahomes only good week. And that defense has been pitiful this year. So it's hard to, to really give the chiefs too much credit for that one good game. When you look at what they've done the rest of the year. And it's like, he hasn't gotten over 300 yards in either of the last two weeks. He has one touchdown um, in each of the last two weeks. So it's not good. But at the same time, he's Patrick Mahomes. Like, he, he was leading the NFL in touchdowns two weeks ago, and he's had two bad games. So it's like, is that going to come back with the schedule lightening up a little bit in some of these games? I think that ultimately you just have to stick with Mahomes. Um, with Justin Herbert, the track record isn't there. You know, one good rookie season. This is always the fear after a good rookie season. So that's why I'm more concerned with with Herbert. Also, some of those advanced stats uh, pointed to Herbert potentially struggling this year, like his his passer rating from a clean pocket versus under pressure. From a clean pocket, a stable metric. Under pressure, not a stable metric. Justin Herbert was really good under pressure, not a stable metric. He wasn't so good from a clean pocket last year. That is a stable metric. So... There was concerns with Herbert going into the season. With Mahomes, people expected MVP level play, and I think that you're not getting that, so it's disappointing, but he's still going to be a viable starter every week. Well, let me ask you this, Greenlaw. When you look at the run game for Kansas City, it obviously started – It looked for, every, for all intents and purposes, everything you've heard about since the Tennessee Titans game was how the Kansas City Chiefs need to run more. Their run blocking is their strength on the offensive line. And it started to show this week with Derek Gore. Um, even uh, Daryl Williams was getting in, into it. Obviously, CEH will be coming back, who really maybe they should try, should have tried to trade away because it seems like he's no different than these two guys. And they seem to be a little bit more explosive when they're called upon. 
do you think that this has a chance of catching on and this lessens Patrick Mahomes's fantasy value or does it make it improve it because then teams are going to have to pay attention to the run game. So how do you feel about this run game and Patrick Mahomes? I think the run game. So look at when the chiefs were best with the run game with Kareem hunt a few years ago, that improved their passing attack. And also Kareem hunt was a amazing pass catcher out of the backfield. I think that's what they're going to be trying to do with whether it's Williams or CEH Gore's more, not as much of a pass catcher as the other two, but I, I'm not sure it hurts him that much. Going back to Herbert, though, real quick, I was looking this up. He's only had three weeks where he's been a quarterback one this year. That's pretty alarming to me. And one of them was a was that huge monster 43-point uh, game in week five against Cleveland. And so that's kind of propping him up now. I do I do think he gets back into that quarterback one conversation consistently, but he hasn't. He hasn't been there consistently. He's been 26, 21, three weeks as a quarterback, one, then 22 and 15. I think that's what you're going to see the rest of the year is inconsistency. He will have weeks mm-hmm. where he wins you weeks, but he, if he's your every week starter at QB, set it in, forget it style, he's going to have weeks where you're like, Herbert, 12 points. What the heck, man? Yeah. And I uh, think you got to stream him for sure. Or yeah. look at him kind of as a streamer option, even though you're not going to, you're definitely not going to dump him play the matchups with Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I think you do continue to set it and forget it and just hope that he's Mahomes and becomes that what we know he can be again. The running game to me only would help the chiefs offense in general, keep them out of unfavorable third and long situations. That's what the answer to this is they have to run the ball and they have to run the ball better. And that's what defenses are daring them to do. They're dropping back. They're putting eight people into coverage. They're not biting on play action. They they don't care. They're like, run the ball. Sure, run the run the run the heck out of the ball. They're like what Bill Belichick did to the Titans in the uh, in the playoffs in 2019 when he was like, sure, we'll let Henry get five yards of carry. We're not going to give up an explosive play. That's how teams are treating the Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes is a bit of a reckless player. He's always been this way. Where when you make him drive the length of the field. You know, he's not conservative, Ryan Tannehill, who takes sacks and throws the ball away. He runs around in the backfield and tries to make plays outside of structure and throws it off target through a receiver's hands, bouncing off helmets, and interceptions happen. And that's how teams have been able to beat the Chiefs. If they could just run the ball better and force defenses to bring a safety into the box, Mahomes is going to going to go back to being an amazing player so that's the answer it also doesn't problem. feel like the chiefs want to get everybody involved either it feels like it's, they only want to get hill and kelsey involved and kelsey's looked pretty bad like pretty rough the last couple of weeks um and he you know he fumbled the ball this past week cost them uh he doesn't they don't look great so i don't know if it's health or or what it is but the two guys that are the stars outside of mahomes on that offense don't look amazing either all right, I'm gonna get, we're gonna do a quick thing, a buy or sell on Chiefs and um, Chargers skill players. So I'm gonna ask you, Greenlaw player, buy or sell. Then I'm gonna go to Graver with a different player, buy or sell. So here we go, Greenlaw, Austin Eckler, buy or sell for the rest of the way. Buy. Okay, Derek or is it Derek Gore? Derek yeah. Gore, buy or sell? Sell. One time. Don't thing. believe that. Don't believe it. One time thing. CEH is still there. Daryl Williams is still there. I don't buy it. All right. So buy or sell Greenlaw CEH. Buy, but it's not like a high priority buy. It's just like barely above doing nothing. Buy low. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Graver, what do you feel about Travis Kelsey right now? Are you buying or selling him? Let's, Let's do it two ways. If you have mandatory tied in and if you don't have mandatory tied in. If you do have mandatory tight end and you can get Travis Kelsey at a bargain price right now, like worst case, he's going to be every other tight end in the league, right? If you don't have to pay that premium first, second round pick for him, then make the move. Uh, Non-tight end league, never play a tight end ever. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So on to some sad news. Obviously, everybody that probably watches this show is more than likely a Tennessee Titans fan and heard the news that Derrick Henry has suffered a Jones fracture. However, surgery was successful. And in if you pay attention to people who actually know what they're talking about and not people named Adam Schefter, you'll know that he's probably going to be due back in eight to ten weeks. He's probably he may get some snaps in the Houston Texans game week 18, which 
if you're playing fantasy football in week 18, there's something wrong with you. Get out of this so, stream. Yeah. So anyway, obviously he's going to be here for playoffs. So that means that essentially Derrick Henry is useless for the rest of the regular season. And we're at a conundrum where if you're a Derrick Henry owner and you're in a keeper league, do you keep him? Or is this your time to maybe buy low on him if you're someone else? Because maybe this person is desperate for a running back because their team is probably built on or is around Derrick Henry being who he was. And they probably don't have maybe a great running back two or running back three. So my thing is that I'm kind of, you know, putting some feelers out there and seeing if I can't go ahead and get Derrick Henry and try to roster him because the trade deadline in most leagues are probably is probably right around the corner. Greenlaw, what, what do you feel? Do, are you more on if I have them, I'm keeping them no matter what the offer is, or are you a guy that's going to try to make an offer to get him? I think it would depend where I am on in the standings right now. If I'm in near the top of the league and I have Derrick Henry and he's going to cost me a high draft pick next year, the, as we've learned this week, the injury is not going to affect affect him next year. It, it should not affect his performance next year, even if he re-injures it in the playoffs. It shouldn't have any any bearing on how he plays next year. But if he's if he's cost you a high draft pick to keep next year in a keeper league, and I'm in the top of the league this year, I'm probably going to listen to some offers to just maximize being at the top right now and winning now. You can never bank on future years, so I. When I'm near the top, I try to go all in on that, whether you you know using draft picks or keeper picks, whatever it is, I try to cash in. If I'm at the bottom of the, the standings, I'm going to put out feelers to go get him, especially if it doesn't cost me a first-round pick to to keep him next year because if I can, my roster is probably not very good if I'm near the, the bottom of the standings. So if I can get him and keep him for like a second-round pick, plus stack someone on top of him in the first round next year, I got a pretty good base for a team. So it really would just be dependent on where I am in the standings. What about you, Graver? Are you a buy or sell? You know, how are you feeling and handling the Stair Kennery situation if you were in a, in a keeper league? Well, usual caveat, it always depends on the rest of your roster. But generally, I would be buying. I would be sending out feelers to see if you can get Henry for the long term because – basically for all the reasons Greenlaw just said, you know, shouldn't have any long-term effects. He's still going to be a top running back. Heck, he might even be fresher next year coming in with taking 10 weeks off in the middle of the regular season. So I, I don't think that there's any downside to trying to get him unless you have to give up assets that could cost you a chance at a championship this year. But if like you're willing to spend a bench spot on him, heck yeah. Or if you have an IR slot, definitely. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you both. I, I think that's the correct way to look at it, especially from a fantasy uh, perspective, just because you if if I own him and I'm near the top, I'm and it's a keeper league, I'm definitely going ahead and just trying to trade and get some picks and try to maybe take advantage of something. But I'm also gonna if I'm another guy, I'm trying to buy low, right? So you gotta find someone that's kind of kind of on the fringe in that middle ground of your uh, league who knows that they could probably compete if they would have had Derrick Henry and maybe try to get rid of Derrick Henry. Um, I think that's the way to go. I'm, I'm with you guys. I, I think that from a, from a fantasy perspective, his season's unfortunately over, but from a real life football perspective, his, his season's uh, still got some juice left. So we're going to go into and start, Start with you, Greenlaw, on running backs that you think that people should be trying to trade for before their trade deadline. So uh, what the first guy I'm going to go to is on the Jets. I cannot believe we're talking about a Jets running back here, but uh, Michael Carter, uh, he he has nine targets and 14 targets the past two games. He's really become, he's got, you know, a decent amount of rushing attempts, but his he's making his money in the passing game. Uh, it, it seems to be pretty stable. Mike White went to him a ton this past week. He had, I think, two touchdowns also, which inflated his numbers. But he looks like he could be pretty solid running back to the rest of the way. He's running back 20 right now. So he's he's already in the, the conversation and he hasn't done a ton this season, which kind of speaks to where running back twos are. But I think he's going to be a very consistent middle of the road running back to people. 
if you can throw a name at someone that that has Michael Carter, they might be willing to to give him up, especially since he's a rookie, he's unproven. But it does seem like he's got a lot of value. And then the second guy I'll go to is a uh, Elijah Mitchell. He he's taken on the workhorse role since he's been back. 18 carries the past two games, over six yards per attempt. He had like six yards per attempt uh, last or two weeks ago, and 7.6 yards per attempt this past week. He's not getting any targets in the past game, which is a little concerning, but his efficiency in the run game has been so good. He's had over 100 yards in, in all three games. He's gotten 10 or more carries. Yeah, I like both those guys. Um, I, I think that people that now's the time to definitely jump on at least Michael Carter. You're going to have to probably go a little bit higher for Elijah Mitchell because he has put a, a few games back to back. And earlier in the season before his injury, he was looking really good. And it's also a San Francisco running back, right? You always want mm-hmm. – obviously, they have an injury history, but – And it's tough to trade for them because you never know when Shanahan's going to be like, you know what? This other guy looks good in practice this week. Let's make him the lead yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. It is I, though I, good that he went – you know, he got injured and then came back and was still the starting guy right. immediately. I think that's a good True. sign for him. And the guy that was ahead of him, Raheem Mostert, is not coming back. So as long as he stays healthy, you're talking about the guy back there. And Trey Sermon apparently sucks. <laughs> and Jamichael Hasty, he didn't really do much. So I don't yeah, know if there's really. Passes. Yeah, I don't know if there's. And I know Jeff Wilson's coming back, and that may be that may be the nail in the coffin. So if you have a another week or two in your before your trade deadline. You may want to see what Jeff Wilson does at the goal line, and then maybe you could buy him a little bit lower, Elijah Mitchell, but then you may be a little too far out of your um, league's playoff thing. But Michael Carter, I think this is the perfect time to try to get him. You can probably, if you are active negotiators in your league, probably tell him it's just a fluke game. I mean, when's Mike White ever going to put up 400 more yards passing? I mean, and he only gets to play Cincinnati once. You know, you may be able to throw the fluke in there. So, out of the two, I'd feel better about targeting Michael Carter in getting the better deal. I, th- I feel like you'd get the better deal for Michael Carter. What, what do you think, Justin, on that? I agree with that, I, and I also love Michael Carter, and I also think that Michael Carter has more long-term upside. I mean, we talked about all these things about Elijah Mitchell and the Niners. It's like the Jets are a team that, A, if Mike White is any good, could be getting better as an offense – and he's a rookie. I know Elijah Mitchell's also a rookie, but Michael Carter's a rookie. They've been working in more each week. It feels like by the end of the year, or at least the end of the fantasy year, he could be getting 80 to 90% of the backfield touches. So I'm all in on Michael and Carter as well. Yeah, and he's involved in the pass game. In PPR, that's everything. Do you have any other running backs yeah. you'd recommend to trade for? Yeah, just quickly, I have Javante Williams. We talked about him last week, but he, he's been amazing as far as breaking tackles. Uh I think opportunities are just going to continue to increase for him. And then Antonio Gibson, he, this is the time to buy low on him because this is his bye week. People are disappointed. He's been, he's had like nine points the last two weeks. He, they've been kind of conserving him because of his shin people. I'm fed up with him. I have him on one of my teams, but if you can, if you're able to trade something low, I'm not saying go crazy on him, but if you're able to trade something low ball for him and coming off of this buy, his shin should be healed a little bit. I feel like the workload's going to increase. He might, he's probably, he's not going to, he's definitely not going to be the running back one you drafted him as. He might he be a running back two. Zero RB1 weeks this season. Yeah. Yeah. And we yeah. don't need a disappointment. Yeah. Utter disappointment. <laughs> I do Devante think they'll be more effective after the buy. Probably. Yeah. Devontae Williams has the easiest running back schedule of any team the Broncos do. So hopefully the Broncos give him more carries over Melvin Gordon. I was very close to putting Antonio Gibson on the trade block in my league record where I have him. I've thought better of it because he's my ride or die. And I think that if I am loyal to him, he'll be loyal to me and he'll recognize that and he'll really run his heart out when he comes out of the bye week. I've thought the same thing. I almost packaged him up in a deal and I thought, no, I've, we've been this far. Plus he's a keeper for like a third rounder next year. I thought if I trade him, he'll have an amazing rest of the season and then I won't be able to have him on my team next year. 
Yeah, if he's going to be pitiful, I want to be pitiful. So mm-hmm. if he if he's going to be awesome, I want to be the the benefit of that. <laughs> so, you know, just we just got to ride yeah. together, take that emotional roller coaster. I didn't carry his sad sack around for the last eight weeks in order for him to prosper for someone else. Yeah. All right, Justin, name us some wide receivers to trade away. Wide receivers right. you do not want. I got some good ones for you. I'm going to start off here with the guy who is second in the NFL in receiving yards right now, Debo Samuel. He keeps having these huge receiving weeks. He broke Jerry Rice's record for most receiving yards by a Niners player in the first eight or nine games, however many they've played. I don't know. Um, He's having an unbelievable year. I don't think it's sustainable. This is the time to sell high. We are eight weeks into the season. This is when... Things just flip around for no reason. We think we have football figured out for 2021. I'm telling you right now, we know nothing. Everything's going to change. Debo Samuel is 78th in the NFL in average depth of target. Yes, he is a yak beast, but it is just at a level right now that you can't keep up. He leads the NFL in target share, 36.4% of his team's targets. But there's a potential QB change on the horizon in San Francisco. Not saying it's going to happen, but if it did, it wouldn't help Debo Samuel, I don't think. <coughs> Excuse me. He could see less targets if uh, Trey Lance took, takes over as quarterback. And Trey Lance is going to run the ball a lot more. So overall, it feels completely unsustainable for Debo Samuel to keep racking up these yards at this crazy rate. I'm trading him away right now. Sell high. This is the time. Do you guys agree? I think it's important to note here that the one game Trey Lance started, no one covered Debo on like a 76-yard catch. So when Trey's in the game, people don't even notice Debo. I think that's huge going forward when Trey eventually takes over the starting spot. That's a valid point, but I feel like that's exactly the type of play that I don't think is sustainable at all on any level. Blown coverages like that don't happen every week in the NFL. I do agree with you, but I own him, and I worry a little bit. I definitely don't want you to be right is kind of what I'm hoping. Brandon Ayuk could come along at some point, and we saw him catch two-point conversion, and like I think he's going to continue being worked in more. And just this 36% target share is crazy. He has such a low depth of target to sustain such a high yardage output. You also do have George Kittle coming back too. Like that's one thing you didn't talk about. At least if you did, I wasn't paying attention. Apparently, I I mean, I neglected. But George Kittle's coming back, and like you said, Brandon Ayuk is you know building building up maybe some goodwill. Who knows? I don't know why they hate him. Uh, Apparently, he's I guess just not very committed or something immature Uh, unserious yeah but with kittle coming back i think that is the the big key to the debo samuel do i think that you should trade him away man that's tough i mean you would have to get a really really good package you would have to get an rb1 and a wide receiver two or a wide receiver one in an RB2 to really but don't you think you could for someone like Debo like this is a guy that Probably. people no. I've so I have literally tried with Debo this year to get a wide receiver one RB2 or vice versa and no one wants him I don't know if it's because they were down on him in the draft process I think that's probably what it is is he was you know like an eighth round pick or something like that and people are like well why would I pay up for that now and it's like well because he's wide receiver four or whatever he is now yeah I, I think, feel like I, I think there's a certain are, stigma with him. Maybe, but I, I feel like you could act like this is a guy that's like people might actually want. It's not like some scrub that you're I, I'm actually with. trying to trade for Debo Samuel now. Exactly. You're buying into the wrong end of the trend. But this I'm is not, just like Aaron Jones trading, last year. Yeah, I'm not trading an exorbitant amount for him. And I'm trying to get um in him and shit some other running back and or i'm trying to get him and corderell patterson from this one guy <laughs> so i'm not trying Ultimate not to trade highs. away a lot uh, yeah but i'm trying to do, i'm trying to at least get the conversation started i i've, uh, I've maybe uh, a little bit of a low ball offer but i'm just trying to get the conversation started all right i got another trade away candidate for you here another guy that is a sell high these guys that are doing really well right now on these big fluke weeks, it's just not going to keep happening, right? 
Michael Pittman has the fourth hardest strength of schedule for a wide receiver the rest of the way. According to Fantasy Pros, he's coming off a two-touchdown game. The week before that, he had 105 yards and a touchdown. That's three touchdowns in his last three weeks. Do you know how many he has on the season? Four. This is not a huge touchdown maker guy on the year. These last couple weeks, he's been doing it more. Is that a sign of things to come? Maybe. He's got a tough wide receiver fantasy schedule ahead. Plus, if the Colts implode at some point this year, which, you know, the division looks pretty bad. If they, by like, somehow lose to the Jets on Thursday, which is not out of the question after what the Jets just did, with still not a lot of tape on Mike White, and, you know, coming off a tough physical match where they lost a lot of players to injury against the Titans four days later, who knows what could happen? If Carson Wentz gets benched, Michael Pittman is going to be a fantasy disaster, and the Colts could do that to protect their first-round draft pick. So this is the time of the year. I just said it. Week 8, this is your sell-high point. I'm telling you, Michael Pittman had his best fantasy stretch the last two weeks. He's not going to have a two-week stretch like that again this year. Deal him while you can. Get something great. I'm out on Michael Pittman. Trade him away. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't think you can trust uh, Carson Wentz. And then if they do start falling behind and losing games back to back to back, he's eventually going to get benched. And then you got what? Sam Ellinger as the guy that's going to come no. in or Brent Hudley. Yeah, Sam Ellinger. It's fine. Yeah, that's what I said. And <laughs> the whole thing is that I, I just don't trust any of these quarterbacks and I don't trust he doesn't get the benefit of playing the Tennessee Titans anymore. And you don't get points for defensive pass interference. So, you know, I just don't trust that Michael Pittman is that guy where you need to keep him on your roster to make sure that you make it to the fantasy championship. He is an expendable piece and probably a very valuable expendable piece for you because you can get something really good in return for him right now. Yeah, his yep. targets are wild too. He had 15 against the Titans, but then he had he before that he had three and four targets the two weeks before. One of those he got the 17 point game on. That's not a guy I'm betting on long term. And it, all of his weeks are like that. He started off with four, and then he went 12, 12, 8, 7, 3, 4. And another thing, Carson Wentz has been hitting Pittman on some of these deep balls that are severely underthrown. The Pittman's making great adjustments to coming back, high point in the ball. It's only a matter of time before every team that's game planning for the Colts says, hey, DBs, on these deep balls, it's coming underthrown. Turn around and pick the ball off. The Titans could have had three or four interceptions downfield if they had just turned around on underthrown balls instead of running through the receiver and getting pass interference penalties. So, like, th that thing's going to get figured out pretty quick. That's also not a sustainable way to keep off. It's not like the amazing back shoulder unstoppable throws that Aaron Rodgers and all of his receivers ever have been so good at it. it's like a totally different thing I, i'm i'm out on it i got a couple more guys quickly yeah. i will say mike williams still kind of a big name but he's really faded the last few weeks i just don't think he's going to be consistently a wide receiver one like he kind of was the first few weeks of this season he's only been a top 70 wide receiver once in the chargers last four games that's pretty bad there might be someone in your league who's willing to take a chance on him com coming back to early season form, but it ain't going to be me. Get rid of him. <coughs> Excuse me. The other guy, Allen Robinson. He sucks, right? The Bears passing game is bad. Allen Robinson's heart's not in it. He didn't get traded. His heart is totally <laughs> not in it. But maybe you can get, be able to, the Bears weren't able to trade him. Maybe you'll be able to trade him. I don't expect anyone to be trying to trade for Allen Robinson, but if you're like working a deal and you can throw him in as like an extra piece that looks like an attractive extra piece, well, at least I'm also getting Allen Robinson. The other guy thinks like, just get him off your roster because otherwise he's absolutely droppable, I think. Yeah, he's unstartable. I think you got to find a Bears fan, honestly, and try to trade him to them. Well, yeah. It's kind of like when you're you're ordering at Chili's, you can get a smokehouse platter, and you're choosing your two, you know, main entrees or whatever, and they give you the sides right already. Sides already established. You're getting uh, French fries, you're getting baked potato, and then all of a sudden they're just throwing in this piece of garlic toast. So that's kind of like Alan Robinson; he's garlic toast. I do like garlic toast. Oh, well, I do too. I and I like Alan I don't, Robinson. I don't I don't like him anymore. I drafted him in our fan to see league and he's uh he's been brutal. 
he's been yeah. awful. It's not he's not been good. I in fact I tried to trade away at some point Terrace Marshall for Allen Robinson to a guy, and he goes, Nobody wants Terrace Marshall. You're an idiot. And I think they're exactly the same kind of wide receiver currently. You, you know what? Terrace is getting healthy. That might even uh, might even be a plus for whoever's getting Terrace. Right. Yeah. All right. I'm going to give you some wide receivers to trade for, and I'm going to start off with uh, Terry McLaurin. I just think you just got. I know these last few weeks here and there, and there here is a bye week after a couple of little bad weeks hidden in between all this. But you're talking about a guy that is. He just gets the targets. It's something that we've always pounded the table for when it comes to Terry McLaurin. It does not matter who they play. It does not matter who's the quarterback. He is going to get his. He is fourth overall in targets. He's averaging currently 9.5 targets a game. That is That is crazy. You're talking about 14, 7, 13, 11, 8, 12, and 7 since week two. His lowest total was week one, and that was just four targets. And he still, and that, and he still had a good game. He doesn't even need all these targets, but as long as he's getting them, this is who you should trade for. And I think that there's a chance that people are going to remember this last game. He's on a bye week, and they're going to remember that he kind of a couple of weeks ago he went. Um, I think it was like 2.85 or something. I mean, it was something kind of ridiculous for Terry McLaurin. He went last week, this past week, 3.5. And then week seven was 18.2. But the previous two weeks before that, it was 2.8 and 4.6. If you're a Terry McLaurin owner, which I am, you that 3.5 in a PPR sticks out <laughs> like a sore thumb. And it's sitting in the back of my mind when it's coming into the bye week. So I know that other people, other owners, it's sitting in the back of their mind, and maybe this is the time to get him because going through the rest of Terry's uh, schedule, it's actually not that bad of a um, schedule for a wide receiver. It's middle of the road, middle but of the pack. out of the bye, you're talking about Tampa Bay, Carolina, Seattle, Las Vegas, Dallas, Philly, and probably ending in your playoffs and maybe your championship, Dallas again in week 16, depending on when it is. And if you're not playing that time, you're playing Philadelphia in week 17 in your championship. One of the best schedules down the road for a wide receiver and at some point this season possibly ryan fitzpatrick's coming back and maybe just maybe he gets help help from curtis samuel who may possibly come back and may actually exist we don't know what do you guys feel about terry mclaurin's schedule and is this the time to trade for him coming off a 3.5 week and he's in the middle of a buy I definitely think you got to trade for him now before he gets to play Tampa. I mean, their pass defense has been really, really poor. I think that's one of the games he gets right. And you can't ask in his playoff schedule much more than Philly twice. Two of the three weeks he gets to play Philly. That's that's about as good as it gets. Yeah, I'm all in on Terry McLaurin as well. I got him in a couple of leagues. I'm not even that disappointed with how he's been. Like He's had a few bad games, but he's had a few spike weeks as well. And I think there's a lot more of those on the horizon, pretty much like you said. So I'm definitely still in on Terry McLaurin. I'll tell you another guy that's probably been a little disappointing after his hot start, and that would be Cortland Sutton. So he's my other guy you should trade for. Listen, it's been a little bit of a rocky road, but there's there's very few wide receivers in the NFL right now that are even sniffing the air yards that this wide receiver is generating. And he's still been the healthiest wide receiver outside of Tim Patrick on this team. Noah Fant's a little bit injured. Jerry Judy's still getting eased in. This this offense, I feel like, will rebound. And when you look at what he's done these last two weeks, which are the most recent weeks, it's four points and 6.8 points. And I'm sorry, that was on standard. It was six points and 11.8 points. So not as bad because he's getting the targets and he's catching them. Targets matter. Receptions matter. This guy is who you need to be going to target now. 
And again, when you look at the schedule, Dallas is this week. Philadelphia is the next. Then a bye week. And then you get L.A., KC, Detroit, Cincy, and Las Vegas. Right down to week 16, probably win through your playoffs. You're talking about Detroit, Cincy, Las Vegas, technically in your playoffs if that's where you go. And if it's week 17, it's the Chargers. I mean, talk about another wide receiver that's probably been uh, uh, probably in the doghouse with their owners that has a great schedule that you should try to go get because that's what it comes down to, right? The reason you trade for Terry McLaurin now is because his bye week is now. And then you don't have to worry about him missing a game because of bye. You need to be planning this ahead. This is the week to also do that with Cortland Sutton. I think I'm a little worried about Jerry Judy coming back, Terry Bridgewater not being that good, the Broncos not wanting to throw the ball that much. But all those reasons are reasons why Cortland Sutton should be a fairly cheap buy if you can get him in a trade. So I like it for the upside play. Don't spend, don't, don't trade a starter. Trade someone off your bench for Cortland Sutton. See if whoever has him is willing to get rid of him. And I think that you, you know, play the upside and hope for the best. I, I agree. Yeah, I think that's a play. If you can get like uh, Jacoby Myers or something, trade that for him because I think Sutton has more upside than. Jacoby the thing that worries about worries me about Sutton beyond being capped by Teddy Bridgewater is that in his games he's only gone over 12 points in games that he's had over 10 targets and that's only happened three times this year so I think there's a little bit of a like you said with Judy coming back there's they have all these weapons I think there's a cap to how many targets he gets but if you're not counting on him to be a wide receiver too if you can have him as a flex player if you can have him as a wide receiver three i think he's more than capable of doing those things and i think that he can be had for fairly cheap because he hasn't proven that he can be consistently uh, a, a plug-and-play guy and i also say this with these guys coming back maybe there's less attention being paid to Cortland sutton and Cortland sutton is to me the superior receiver and pass catcher out of everybody that they have there. So maybe that helps them that Jerry Judy's back and that Tim Patrick is staying healthy and Noah Fant comes back. You know, maybe that actually helps his efficiency with less targets equals maybe some more fantasy points. So a couple of the other guys that uh, I think you should trade for just real quick, Jalen Waddle. The Dolphins targeted their rookie wide receiver on 25% of passing plays, but a lot of them have been deemed uncatchable. And he caught four of his 12 targets this past week for 29 yards. I know that sounds bad, but 12 targets for a rookie. You're talking about a wide receiver who not only is the leading rookie wide receiver for targets, he is also in the top 10 of targets for the entire NFL for wide receivers. And here's some good news. Tua has actually stayed. He is alive. He has not been sacrificed to the Deshaun Watson gods. And that is good. As we all expected. Yeah. That is good for Jalen Waddle. It is very good for his fantasy outlook. I think that right now, especially that he's a rookie wide receiver and that he is coming off a horrible game. Buy low. He's a perfect, perfect buy low candidate. And granted, he may not be more than a flex for you, but if he these targets translate into fantasy points, this could be a uh, championship winner for you down the hall. And then the other one is Brandon Ayuk, which we talked about a little bit about Debo Samuel. But Brandon Ayuk has been... He's he's been probably one of the biggest disappointments of the fantasy football season. I, I put Brennan Ayuk up there with guys like Allen Robinson and even the hype that was surrounding Marquez Callaway coming into the year. Odell. But he's trending in the right direction. Yeah, Odell would be a good one. But he's trending in the right direction. His playing time has been on the rise. And let me say this. This is the second time this last week, this is the second time that season, that it looked like He was the Brandon Ayuk, and his role was the Brandon Ayuk of last year. He had a uh, seven-season high in targets. He had seven, and he had a season high in receiving yards, which is not great of 45. But you're talking about a guy who – you're talking about a guy you may not even have to trade for. And that's the key is that if he's still available in your league, go get him. And much like Jalen Waddell – 
if he's is on someone's roster, it's a buy low candidate, a trade for low. It's low risk, high reward. And that's what you're looking for on these some of these trades. And it may not work out, but at least it has a good chance of looking like, okay, I think he's out of the doghouse. Yeah. True. What, what, I'll, what I'll say on Waddle is similar to what I said about Tua last week. Like we knew going into that game, it was a tough matchup. The Bills defense is really, really good. So I think from here out, you, you got a bunch of great matchups. You got Texans this week, you got the Jets week 11, I believe. So it, things are going to get definitely easier for Waddle. And obviously uh, one of the reasons I'm down on Debo is because I think Ayuki is going to become more involved and take a lot more of that 36% target share that Debo's working with right now. So Definitely buy low candidates. Yeah, I mean, I, they're guys you don't have to spend a lot of capital to get. Waddle, I'd be excited about getting. The amount of targets he's getting, uh, That's, I mean, that speaks well for what's coming. Ayuk, yeah. I mean, it, it can't get worse. I think that's probably his slogan at this point is that <laughs> it can't be worse than it, it has been this year. Oh, my God. All right, now we're going to talk about players that we're all in on, and we do actually have some questions that we'll be getting to. We're just going to do our all-in just real quick. A player that I would be just going crazy and trying to get if I could without you know hemorrhaging the majority of my team, but if I have to give up a first-round pick for him, I'm going to do it, and that is Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup right now is trending to break tons of wide receiver records, he is looking to be a total league winner. He's already at 10 touchdowns for the year, and I don't see any way that that slows down, especially with Tennessee coming. Then you have San Francisco. Then there's the bye week. Green Bay, Jacksonville, Arizona, Seattle, Minnesota, Baltimore. I mean, it's just a great schedule, and it's this offense currently is unstoppable. It is just, as far as fantasy-wise, right? Fantasy-wise... You're talking about a player that had his lowest output was versus Arizona, where he got 13 targets, five receptions for 64 yards. <laughs> I mean, and he still got 11.4 points. That's his lowest out fantasy output is 11.4. I have him in one of our leagues, and I I love him. Uh-huh. He is a he's a beautiful man. I will never trade him away, but if someone came to me and said, hey, I'm going to give you a first, a second, and a couple of these uh, wide receiver and a running back, I'd have to listen, right? I'd be crazy not to at least entertain that idea, but I mean, Cooper Cup is, guys, all in Cooper Cup. The stretch he's He's got as many 30-point... Yeah, he's got as many 30-point weeks this season as he does any other amount of points. So he's got four 30-point weeks, and he's got four, a lot of 25-point weeks, and then like that 11-point week. He's in, like, this is insane. The Titans are obviously going to stop him this Sunday. Yeah, here's what I'll say. Cooper Cup will not keep up this pace. It's impossible. He won't do it. He may not break no, all the tell, records. Say that, to, say that to Calvin Johnson. I'm just letting you know it's not going to happen. <laughs> But even if his production drops off by 10 to 15 percent, he's still a, a bona fide wide receiver one, one of the best. He'll still be one of the best wide receivers. So, like, yeah, I, I absolutely all in on Cooper Cup. Uh, he His production will go down. Here's the thing that's crazy, though. This is a Rams offense that we've heard from multiple sources notoriously takes 24 to months, 18 months to 24 months to or weeks, I mean, to master. And they're eight weeks into the season, and it's, like, been just so easy for them you have to think things are only going to continue to gel for this offense, that Sean McVay is only going to continue to find new things he can do with a quarterback of Stafford's caliber. But the one worry there is that guys like Robert Woods, Van Jefferson, maybe the tight ends, maybe Daryl Henderson in the passing game get more involved as the offense continues to evolve. And if that happens, like a lot of Cooper Cup's big plays have come on like third downs. If Robert Woods if he connects with Robert Woods on a second down and then maybe that third down Cooper cup opportunities aren't there as much throughout the rest of the season. So I do think that the, his production is not going to be sustainable, but still top I five. Think you're living in a dream yeah. world, my friend. The, the crazy thing is even if you took 60% of his production, it's still incredible. Like if yeah. you took 60% of what he's doing now and you said, okay, that's going to those other guys. He's still a wide receiver one. He still might be the wide receiver one. 
definitely can like he's gonna be amazing he's just not gonna keep the same points per game pace up for the next uh, here, here's what i think week. i think matt I, I just agree with you because matt stafford finds his guy and just feeds him the ball and we've seen that at, all throughout his career and this is this is his guy they're 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 breakfast buds and yeah you true. know they watch film together and everything this is I, i'm just i'm just telling you right now this yeah. is the the guy that you go all in on sure Sure, sure. Buy at the absolute peak. I always say that. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the absolute peak. You're you're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> Greenlaw, who is your all-in guy? Uh, my guy is AJ Brown. He uh, he's been ridiculous the past couple of weeks. Twenty-nine targets over the past three weeks. He's for the season. He's got a thirty-five percent target share, and I don't see that dipping. I mean, even if Julio comes back, I really don't see it dipping because there's not a third guy. The tight ends are mostly irrelevant except for our guy, uh, R. Cole Pruitt. Uh, wide receiver one last week, wide receiver four the week before. Volume with Henry out, only going to go up. Th this guy, I said last week he's probably going to be a wide receiver seven the rest of the season. I think that was way too low. I'm I'm thinking wide receiver five or higher rest of the season. Definitely. Titans going to yeah, have to rely I, I on him. I definitely agree. Yeah. That's the thing that this Titans offense is going to have to get more creative and manufacture more touches for AJ Brown. So this is the perfect opportunity to be all in on AJ Brown. And you already saw them last week try a little bit. I mean, he attempted a pass at, at one point during the game last week. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. apparently he could throw it like seventy yards, is what I uh, I've heard. So pretty interesting. You're going to see some mm -hmm. of those he was split the, plays to him on like get. Yeah like fake running mm -hmm. manufactured running game type plays and just like yeah. screens and touches because he's their best player on offense. Now he might've been. Yeah. And the yak ability already. is back now. Like it, we, we talked about it, the hamstring and the, you know, the Chipotle got him. <laughs> now the yak is, is completely back. So I, I do think they try to, you know, like you said, manufacture that run game with them, which is just more easy targets. He's already yeah. getting, you know, 10 targets a game the past three weeks. He's, he might be in double digits, or he should be at least in double and digits. So he might be like the one guy defense is focused on right now, but it's only a matter of time before Julio's out there again. And when that happens, things should be clear for AJ to have space to operate. Yeah, Graver, yep. who is your all-in player? My all-in guy makes me feel gross to even say it out loud. It is Colts running back Jonathan Taylor. The thing is, like, watching Jonathan Taylor play is like – damn this guy is good like he's really good at finding the holes in the offensive line he's got ex excellent burst and speed the only thing that is holding him back from being a fantasy superstar which he already is like an our bona fide rb1 second in the league in rushing now the only thing holding him back is that frank Reich won't give him the ball more just like give him the ball a few more times he has 20 plus touches just twice this entire season but he has 100-plus scrimmage yards in five straight games. No other player has more than three straight games going right now. 100-plus scrimmage yards. I mean, he's, like, been their offense that they can rely on. If Carson Wentz is inconsistent, Taylor's the opposite. If Carson Wentz does get benched, I don't think it affects Taylor at all. He's been catching the ball more. Naheem Hines' role has been diminishing because Taylor's being, being staying on the field during passing situations. So I think... The Colts are going to evaluate why they're three and what are they three and five three is that right yeah three and five and they're going to say it's because we're passing the ball fifty one times a game for two hundred and forty yards or whatever it was against the Titans and they're going to give the ball to Jonathan Taylor more I think it's perfect time to go all in on this guy maybe yeah, not though I, maybe they think that the uh, you know hundred yards of pass interference is you know sustainable <laughs> and that's what they go with that's why they're passing the ball fifty times a game. It was wild, though, to watch that football game, see Jonathan Taylor gash the Titans over and over again, and then they just said, you know what, we'd rather throw the ball with Carson. But that's what they did in the first meeting, is the same mm -hmm. thing. They went away from Jonathan Taylor, who was gashing the team. I, I, I don't get it, don't understand it. I will say this, I think we all have to say that we were possibly wrong about Jonathan Taylor and whether he was worth where he was going in drafts. Possibly just putting it on the radar. We may have to do that. So Put get your questions. In. Yeah. yeah. Good. Get your questions in on YouTube. Get them in on Facebook. We are going to go through them right now, starting with Deacon who says, Hey guys, I was wondering if you prefer Gaskin or Boston Scott. So the dolphins face to Houston, Texas this week. 
and the Philadelphia Eagles are playing. Oh crap! I just looked at it too. Um, the Chargers. So Boston Scott versus the Chargers or Miles Gaskin versus the Texans. Eileen Miles Gaskin, just because it is against the Texans. You have no idea how the Eagles are going to split their backfield work. I think it's a fact, a product of the blowout they were doing last week that Scott and Howard both had two rushing touchdowns. Kenneth Gainwell didn't even really play till the fourth quarter when it was the game was over. But who knows? Maybe Gainwell looks better in practice. And they're like, you know what? It's time for Gainwell to be the lead back now. We he wasn't ready last week or some nonsense. So I think it's a risk to start Boston Scott. Gaskin's matchup is so good. The Texans defense is awful. So. The only thing is you probably won't get a lot of catches from Gaskin this week because I don't expect – well, who knows? The Dolphins are pretty bad too. Tyrod Taylor could get a lead going in that game. <laughs> I do worry with – I mean, Boston Scott's got a really good matchup. But like you said, you do worry about how they're going to split the touches. I don't. I didn't even know you know Jordan Howard existed still, and he got had two touchdowns last week. Yeah. Yeah, because you really thought – I mean, if you're a Kenneth Gainwell owner – Considering how they used Kenneth Gainwell all fucking year, yeah, you would have thought that he would have been the lead back, and that would have been it. And yeah. yep. for whatever reason, Philadelphia was just like, "Ah, eh, screw it. Let's just throw Boston Scott and Jordan Howard out there, and let's <laughs> let's forget Kenneth Gainwell even exists." Yeah. the The other thing that goes against uh, Boston Scott this week is that when the Eagles have played teams close, they've passed it a ton, and I don't understand why they do that because they don't have the you know, personnel to do that, but they pass it a ton. Nick Sirianni cannot pass it enough. So I think I think if this is going to be a closer game, which it should be, or they're playing catch-up against the Chargers, uh, Boston Scott's going to be faded out pretty quickly. Yeah. Pick two, PPR, Michael Carter, Chase Claypool, Elijah Mitchell, Javonta Williams. Michael Carter plays the Colts on Thursday Night Football. Chase Claypool plays the Bears on uh on Monday Night Football, and then you have uh, the San Francisco going up against the Cardinals, and then you also have Denver going up against the Cowboys. So my pick two for this would be Chase Claypool and Javante Williams, and I'm always going to go wide receiver in a PPR, especially Chase Claypool. I just think that it's a – I think it, the Steelers just look a whole lot better this year on offense – and I think that Chase Claypool is a big part of that. And I'm going to go Javante Williams because I just don't think the Cowboys defense is still that great. And I think this could be a good Javante Williams breakout game. Okay. Okay. I think Michael Carter is a must start, even against the Colts. Very good run defense because he's going to get a lot of targets. I'd probably go Mitchell. I don't know. I, I, I think Mitchell's San Francisco's workhorse right now. Gotcha. Greenlaw, yeah, but he's going against Arizona. Arizona has only given up like 20 points a game against running backs. I think I'm going Carter uh, like JG, but then I'm going uh, Claypool as well. I like I like the Claypool start. They get a play Chicago. Chicago's been really, really bad against wide receivers, 42 points a game against wide receivers. So I think the play is Carter and Claypool. Okay, so you got two votes for Carter, two four votes for Claypool, Stoney. So I know that you're three and five and eighth out of 14. So I know that probably wasn't really a lot of help. So get you, four and five. You, should go, you should go Carter and Claypool, I think is the general consensus based on uh, the analysis here before you today. Uh, he also has another one. I have a good one since you guys love tight ends. We do. We love tight butts. I have TJ Hawkinson on a buy. So Cole Komet or CJ Uzama, you got to go, go CJ Uzama. I just, I just think he got to. Yeah. Uzoma. This is a big Cole Komet podcast though. At least this household in St. Louis, Missouri is a huge Only Cole Komet household. But I don't think you can go away from uh, Uzama here. I think he's been way too consistent. He's got like three games over 20 points. This feels like a, a no-brainer. Plus, the Bears' offense is horrendous besides and the Bengals are playing the Browns. And Jesse James exists yeah, and steals true. touchdowns. Right. Yeah, another guy I kind of was surprised was still in the NFL when I saw that touchdown on, on Well, Sunday. the Bears have 1,200 tight ends, so. Yeah, and, you know, Jimmy Graham's there forever because he has a no-trade clause for some reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, 10-team – or, yeah, sorry, I skipped one. Two flex spots to fill in PPR. Judy, Woods, Sutton, Gaskins, or Waddle. I'm going Woods and Sutton. 
Uh, like I said, Denver is going up against the Cowboys and Robert Woods is going up against Tennessee Titans. I would could possibly be talked into Waddle. Yeah. But if I am going, if those are your flex options, I'm going Woods or Sutton. I mean, I would, cause those guys to me are borderline wide receiver starts. So must be like an 18 league or something, but I'm sick of Woods and Sutton. I, I'm scared of starting Sutton. He's still. You want to play Waddle just because of the Texans, right? I, I want to play Waddle because of the Texans. Waddle, I think, is like a slam dunk in this to me. I think Waddle's Agreed. the really one matchup. for sure. Yeah. The other one is. I, I'm in between uh, Judy and Woods, to be honest. Me too. On the other, the other side, Woods. Don't I love like Judy. Yeah. I don't know why. PPR. He's going to get more targets than Sutton. He's just. He just. And is. also, uh, Diggs is going to be on Sutton too which means Judy's going to get whoever whoever else the Cowboys throw out there. Anthony which, Brown. I mean, honestly, that's a good and bad thing for Sutton. But with Teddy Bridgewater, you know, having some limitations, I don't know if he's going to be able to beat Diggs like some of, the, some of the other quarterbacks have. So I think I would go Woods and Waddle here. But I'm not – I think you can go a couple ways with Woods. The, that's the Woods that's where I lean to. For sure, Waddle. Still, yeah, still a toss-up, but I, I agree with you. Yeah, I would do Woods and Waddle if you had to. If you if you're gonna diss Sutton and take him out, go Woods and Waddle. Don't play Jerry Judy. Don't don't fall into this mat, mat, imaginary hype that these two think that Jerry Judy is some you know good flex position player. Unless Christian Fulton is back, then don't play Woods. <laughs> the next one is ten team league full PPR. Should I trade Khalil Herbert and Justin Jefferson for Adam Thielen and? Damian Harris. I actually, if it's not a keeper league, I definitely think I would do that because I think that when David Montgomery comes back, Khalil Herbert's not going to be around and Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen are kind of like just trading touchdowns here and there. Damian Harris is still, he's just the guy. He's just the guy. He's an RB one. Yeah. I would do that trade a hundred percent. And also the Vikings do these weird things. Like when they play, poor pass defenses they give justin jefferson four targets so it again those two are interchangeable Thielen and jefferson so you're basically making a running back for running back swap here the next one is jonathan taylor could be the colts version of christian mccaffrey only if used right which is scary as a titans fan yeah i'm not too scared running backs don't matter also yeah the uh, Stony Keeley says two votes for Carter, two votes for Claypool. You guys will be hearing from my lawyers if it doesn't work out. That's then fair. Michael Chap on YouTube says, I'm going to tell you my team and guess my record. 12-man PPR. <laughs> Justin Herbert, Dalvin Cook, Miles Gaskin, Zach Moss, Stephon Diggs, Keenan Allen, Kyle Pitts, and Hollywood Brown. Two and six yeah, is what I'm going to say. Like- I bet he's like zero and eight, maybe with that team. Honestly, there've been so much not ups a and downs. Sit or trade question. No, I I love it though. The I he's got so many. I have a team that is I think four and six or four and six at this point because we have multiple uh, games certain weeks with a very similar lineup. It's hor. It's honestly horrible. Three and five sounds pretty close. <laughs> Three and five. Yeah, poor guy. It's rough. Zach Moss and Diggs, though, you did that to yourself. Yeah. Randall Cooper, I have Devontae Parker starting in PPR right now. Think I should start Hunter Renfro with the rug situation. I have Waller as tight end, Corey Davis on the bench. Corey Davis is on IR, right? Or isn't he? Isn't he out? Like for the rest of the year? Maybe not the rest of the year, but he's at least out for the immediate future, I thought. Uh, yeah, I think that you should start Hunter Renfro. He's, he's not on IR. He is doubtful, though, for the, for gotcha. Thursday. Yeah, I think you definitely should start Hunter Renfro. Um, would I start him over Devontae Parker? I don't know. Again, it's the Texans. Like It's almost like you have to start everybody for the Texans and just hope that the you're— The Texans are begging teams to score 40 points on them. Like They want that to happen for some reason. Yeah. Also, Parker's like one of the five wide receivers in football averaging over 10 targets a game, I believe. So it's hard to go away from that. I think the I think Waller probably picks up 
just as many targets as Renfro from the rug situation. And I think Brian Edwards is going to be featured a little yeah. bit more than what he has, and probably Kenyon Drake. Like if, especially if Josh Jacobs is healthy, you can see both of them on the field at the same time, just to make up for the loss of Henry Ruggs and that un- unfortunate, you know, avoidable, situation. That, stupid. It's totally avoidable. But it's unfortunate someone lost their life because he's an NFL player and decided to stay out at three something in the morning to, and yeah, not get an Uber. Uh, Uh, I mean, it's just awful. That is all the questions that we had today. We ran a little bit over time, but that's okay. Uh, We hope that you enjoyed the show. And if you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show on all the podcast platforms. Even if you are an avid video watcher and you don't go back and listen to our podcast, just go over there, subscribe, rate, and review. It doesn't cost you anything to do that. Then go buy our merchandise over at shop.broadwaysportsmedia.com and use promo code FLEX15 to get 15% off. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. On behalf of Robert Greenlaw, Justin Graver, and Broadway Sports, my name is Zach Lyons, and we just flexed on you. A Broadway Sports Media Production. Football fans, are you a through-and-through fan of the two-tone blue? Do you enjoy keeping up with the Titans and everything going on around the team? Hey, I'm Easton Freeze, writer and broadcaster covering all things Tennessee Titans and the NFL. And I've got a brand new show that is going to be your new go-to podcast. Following the action on Sundays is fun and easy, but so much happens during the busy work week that you're missing. That's why I'm hosting The Titans 10, twice a week, a quick-hitting show where we run down all the news and information surrounding the Tennessee Titans in around just 10 minutes. We're recapping last week's game, looking ahead to this week's game, talking injury news, roster moves, and listening in on the best sound bites from coaches and players during the week. Join me, Easton Freeze, on the Titans 10 every Tuesday and Friday afternoon at 4 p.m. Central to stay informed and up to date on everything Titans. Subscribe to the Titans 10 podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Follow the show at the Titans 10 BSM and me at Easton Freeze on Twitter to get updates and interact with the show. I can't wait to see you there.